The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I am Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. And we are back after a lengthy Pesach hiatus, and I decided to start with a letter from Seneca, letter 123, which begins with him arriving at home after a lengthy journey on his part. So he writes, I've reached my house at Alba at last, late at night and worn out by the journey, which wasn't so much long as thoroughly uncomfortable, to find nothing ready for my arrival apart from myself. So I'm in bed, recovering from my fatigue and making the best of this slowness on the part of the cook and the baker by carrying on a conversation with myself on this very theme of how nothing is burdensome if taken lightly and how nothing need arouse one's irritation so long as one doesn't make it bigger than it is by getting irritated. My baker may be out of bread, but the farm manager will have some, or the steward, or a tenant. Bad bread, yes, you'll say. Wait then, it'll soon turn into good bread. Hunger will make you find even that bread soft and wheaty. One shouldn't accordingly eat until hunger demands. I shall wait then, and not eat until I either start getting good bread again, or cease to be fussy about bad bread. It is essential to make oneself used to putting up with a little. Even the wealthy and the well-provided are continually met and frustrated by difficult times and situations. It is in no man's power to have whatever he wants, but he has it in his power not to wish for what he hasn't got, and cheerfully make the most of the things that do come his way. And a stomach firmly under control, one that will put up with hard usage, marks a considerable step towards independence. Alrighty, so a uh, lot of nice little points in this letter. The first point is that he got home after a frustrating trip and was irritated, and then found more irritation. And what did he do? He started thinking about the nature of the irritation and uh, and <laughs> focusing on what is within his control and what is not in classic Stoic fashion. And this led to these insights, which no doubt gave him pleasure, even though he doesn't highlight that, and also led him to making the most out of his situation. So just, you know, not, one of the things I like about Seneca, uh, more so in many ways than Marcus Aurelius and uh, and and at least Epictetus in the handbook, is that you see in Seneca, you see him, you know, living Stoicism. You see him talking about the situations that he confronts. And I think there's something especially, I don't know, both motivating and illustrative to uh, to see these ideas play out in real-world examples. I mean, that's why I'm so big on real-world examples in Michelet, because nothing affects your emotions uh, and brings clarity to the mind like a, a good practical application. The second thing I like about this is I really love the turn of phrase here that he has bad bread and then he says, wait, then it'll soon turn into good bread. And when you hear that, or at least when I heard that, my first reaction was, was, what do you mean? The bread's going to change? Like, you know, doesn't bread get staler and moldier after time? So the bread is suddenly going to improve with age. Bread is not wine. And then you realize what he means is, no, the bread is not changing, but you are changing. And when you change, then then the pleasure you get out of the bread changes. In other words, so much of our pleasure in food has to do with how hungry we are. And the removal of the hunger through the food is what provides a great measure of the satisfaction. And therefore, if you are very hungry, then you'll you'll get more satisfaction out of what is objectively speaking a lower quality food. And again, this is a perfect illustration of stoicism in action because Seneca is basically saying like, look, yeah, I can't change the bread. I can wait till I get new bread or I can wait until my desires enable me to, to get more pleasure out of this bread. 
Uh, and this really reminds me of one of the first Mishlei Pesukim that I tend to teach in my high school Mishlei class, uh, which is the first Pesuk in chapter 17. Uh, so this is 17.1 in Mishlei, Book of Proverbs. Tov pas chareva v'shalva ba mi bayis male riv. Better a piece of stale bread with tranquility in it than a house filled with meat of strife. Now, my approach to Mishlei is to take every Pasuk as literally as possible unless you're forced to take it as a metaphor. So I introduce my students to that methodological principle and we go through many Pasukim that are you know, clearly to be taken literally. And then we get to this Pasuk and I find that many students will immediately jump to metaphor. They'll say bread is a metaphor for something and meat is a metaphor for something. But what my interpretation of this Pasuk is, uh, and I'm pretty sure this is an original interpretation because I haven't seen it in any of the Mepharshim, at least not exactly this way, uh, is uh, is that it's talking about literal bread and literal meat. And when it says that the the piece of stale bread with tranquility in it is better than the meat of strife, the house filled with meat of strife, it means better in terms of enjoyment, in terms of pleasure. Uh, so how so? The, the idea of the puzzle is that uh, we know that psychological pleasures are affected by your state of mind. But what the puzzle is teaching us is that even physical pleasures are affected by your state of mind. In other words, you might look at stale bread and say that the pleasure you get out of it will be dependent on the quality of the bread, which is inferior, I guess, both in quality and quantity. It's a piece of stale bread. And meat, if you have a house filled with meat, which is a more opulent, you know, uh, which is a delicacy, and it's a house filled with meat, you know, which is a large... So, in other words, you've got meat in in great quality and quantity. So you might think that the meat is automatically going to provide you more enjoyment. And what the puzzle is saying is, no, your state of mind will affect how much enjoyment you get out of this, this food. And even the uh, a, a low-quality, low-quantity food can provide someone with a, a tranquil state of mind with more pleasure than a, uh, a high-quality, high-quantity food in a state of strife. So... Again, I think that is Seneca's principle in action here, uh, which is that your your you know if you if you want to get more enjoyment out of your food, uh, don't think that the only option is to get better food. Uh, in fact, that might not help. And really, the the key is to change your relationship to the food, and you can get more pleasure out of it. Um, so the the other the last point here is, uh, and again, this applies obviously to more than just food. But I think I think it's really really good to to focus on the food example because we, again we look at food and we think that the pleasure comes from the object. And what Seneca is emphasizing is that the pleasure comes from how you relate to the object, uh, and and a lot of that has to do with moderating or or uh, managing your desires. The last point that I really liked about this is if I if I just summarize this to you and I said, oh, you know, there's a philosopher who writes about being content with 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 inferior bread, with stale bread, you might think that that philosopher is advocating an ascetic lifestyle, one that rejects pleasure or that focuses on minimizing pleasure. And the cool thing about Seneca, which is also very Mishlaic, is this is not an anti-pleasure um, message. It's In fact, it's a pro-pleasure message. He's saying you want maximum enjoyment from your food, so you should work on yourself in a way where you'll get maximum enjoyment. In other words, it's ascetic in 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 action in the sense that you are, are, you know, uh, focusing on, on consuming, uh, you know, inferior quality food or less quality food, but it's not ascetic in values. It's, it's really pleasure seeking in values. Uh, and, and I think it's a, it's a nice little, uh, twist on, uh, on, on what could be dismissed as asceticism and kind of makes me wonder also, like when Chazal say, 
you know, the, the you know, Kaki Darcha Shal Torah, this is the way of the Torah, Paspa Melech Tochal, Umayim Bim Surah Tishte, uh, you know, that you should eat dry bread with salt and drink uh, water in measure, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So they're, they, uh, and, and they describe what sounds like an ascetic lifestyle. You know, yeah, it's ascetic in terms of its, uh, its application, but that does not mean you shouldn't jump to the conclusion that it's advocating an ascetic value system. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and speculate on what that means right now because that's not really our topic, but I just wanted to say that not everything that looks ascetic actually is ascetic uh, as, it, as it first appears. Alrighty, that is it for today's episode. Um, since this is the first episode back uh, from, uh, you know, first episode uh, this week or uh, this month, I guess, after Pesach, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank um, all of the patrons who who make this possible. Remember, uh, I am paying for the cost of all of my podcasts. Uh, the Stoic Podcast, I think last month, costs $36. Um, because remember, we have sound editing, we have uh, app management. You know, this is what, uh, you know, Buzzsprout is the ho- the platform I use and, and is a very, very user-friendly platform that gets all of my podcasts out to wherever they need to go uh, and allows me to, to very easily manage it. Uh, and so that costs money. So I thank all of my patrons for for supporting me. And again, you're not just supporting the 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 the, the podcast itself, but you're enabling me to not have to make um, my primary income or not my primary income, my supplemental in- income to pay my bills by tutoring. Which again, not not that I don't like tutoring, but I would much rather make content for all of you uh, than to uh, than to use that time to only tutor one student. So I want to thank in specific uh, my patrons, Tamar, Isaiah, Isaac, Rafi, Danny, Anne, Aaron, Ed, Moshe, Dove, Esti, Ellie, Dan, Gersh, Stephen, Adam, Albert, Avi, Gabi, Ariel, Ezra, Yaakov, Dani, Johnny, Terry, Elliot, Jonah, Daniel, Yael S, Shai, Frederick, Yael W, John, Gula, and Jacob. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, if you've gained from what you've learned here today, and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to this Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Link is in the description. Uh, and remember, $3 a month goes a long way. You know, $5 a month goes even longer. $10 a month is is wonderful. However much you want to contribute, and you can drop out at any time. You could you could contribute for one month and then uh, and then change things later on. Uh, up to you, but any any small amount helps. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.